Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures Podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello. Hello, hello. And welcome. Welcome back to me. Another day, another dollar. <laughs> another day. Holler, I, holler. I have Jim. no idea what day it is. Tommy is just in that work mode. No, I mean, like, for us, when we're actually doing this. That's true. What day is it? Uh, it is Thursday. It's a Thursday. Okay. I only know things by numbers now based on episodes. <laughs> we, we've been rocking up a couple of recorded episodes here recently. So um, we are traveling and, and people are moving around. So we had to record a couple episodes prior. So this is a recorded episode for those of you who are following along. Um, on podcast, <laughs> people who are on the, on the, on the uh, my brain's still warming up apparently this morning. That's right. It is a morning. So I'm still getting things fired up here. I need some more coffee. Oh boy. Anyways, let's jump into some of our article things uh, for today. Uh, today we're talking about companies are failing in their efforts to become data-driven. An article by Randy Bean and uh, Thomas Davenport off of the Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review comes out with a lot of really good stuff. I, I feel like whenever I read things from there, it's, it's fairly insightful and uh, I like where they're going with a lot of these articles and things. So um, I guess high level, is companies are struggling to become data-driven or there's this initiative that has been trying to get this data-driven culture started and they did some surveys and they're finding that mm, while we say or talk a lot about being data-driven companies are kind of finding it's harder than they thought or it's a struggle an uphill battle to some degree so um kind of some interesting survey points at the beginning of the article which we'll, we'll probably get into and talk about a bit more there but Let's go, let's start with, uh, what is data-driven meaning? I guess that's kind of a, a core concept of this article. A company that is data-driven. How does that look for you for you guys? Tommy, what does that look like to you? Well, it's going to get into the fun part of the article. It is the buzzword, right? We use that in our consulting. We totally. People that's like, we want, we're helping to be data-driven. Yeah, make decisions but, on data. And I think there's, there's kind of the difference between kind of like the macro like me as an individual and then what the company is actually choosing to do um i think interesting so can you elaborate on that a bit yeah i think for an organization they have whatever data-driven numbers are doing they're acting within different departments in the corporate goals i we have a corporate goal for the sales we have a corporate goal for increasing here therefore i need to know what's affecting that and my performance something mm -hmm. micro is number of reports i turn out uh, doing things on time, so it's very micro. But for an organization to be data-driven, it's dependent on their department, it's dependent on the corporate goals itself. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Seth, how would you define a data-driven company, and what does that look like versus what does that not look like, maybe? Yeah, I think, I think my definition is probably different, and it, it relates more to the outcomes of activities that are trying to make a, a company data-driven. I think I agree with Tommy from the standpoint that obviously all this should align to an organizational goal, but mm -hmm. part of part of what makes a company data-driven <clears throat> is, I, I think, two factors. One is automating data, data and data processes so that it's timely. Like you're getting yep. the information you need when you need it or without really long delays. And you are uh, you are building infrastructure or processes that remove opinion 
versus mm. application of source, right? And and I think that's the biggest thing to me from a data-driven perspective is throughout an organization, you're always being tasked with putting numbers together or coming up with a story based on information in systems. Mm. And um, either that's a lot of the times that's manual. It's like, I keep my own spreadsheet on the side, I yep. like, or this is how I'm running my business, but it, it doesn't tie back to source systems. And then that's an opinion, right? I got that yeah. point. And the worst cases are like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put together a, a slide deck. And as I enter in the table of information, I'm just going to manually put it in based on hearsay, right? Like this, that is significantly different than having a data source that an organization is using to store the information that everybody is utilizing and that's where you're pulling your your numbers from i really like your your definition there of automation or the automating how, how much automation i think if i had to put data culture or data driven but could we, is this, is this part of the conversation around trust in your data? So what, what I hear you saying, Seth, is a lot of, you know, there's there's regular patterns of data getting to people who need to do the analysis, whether that whether that be a, in a report, a cube that's refreshed constantly. But there's, it seems like there's this, this idea or this rigor around, does the data come out correctly? Can the data be, you know, refreshed or repeatedly updated with the, with new information and then making decisions on that automated or pattern of that's a, that's a trust level, right? We're actually making trust, you know, business-based decisions on top of that, that pipeline of information. Yeah. I think quality is certainly a component of that. Of yeah. Making, yeah. I wouldn't say it's all of it. Cause it's basically, it's, it's that accessibility nature, right? Okay. Like you are curating data sets to a a point where it makes sense to the business and through that is absolutely quality checks, right? Yeah. Because otherwise you're not going to be data driven because people aren't going to trust the quality of the data and they're going to try to source it from somewhere else. And that's probably one of the death knolls of like trying to spool up an initiative, right? Around mm -hmm. a business unit. If, and I, I think one of the distinctions between um, like this article and many others that drive into this challenge uh, which is, you know, a, a failed attempt at doing this usually is a result of technology teams going and trying to build it with uh, on their own without mm -hmm. input from the business. Yes. Right. A and if you're trying to be data driven and the business then starts to interact with data they haven't seen or talked to or touched in like a year. Yeah, it falls off the rails pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's funny because the what you're talking about, I would I'm basically assuming that the data is already there, the alliance that we're actually getting the data in. Allow me to kind of I don't think that's I, always I think I think it's a good assumption, but I would say that's probably a portion of where a lot of these companies struggle with. Yeah. Is is to that point. Like that's you can't really be data driven if you don't have rigor around being able to build regular data pipelines yeah. of information to regularly show but, up. But even then, I think I'll take it just a quick higher level. There's really, I'll simplify it uh, as best I can. Um, there's really three elements that are going to make a company data-driven. An origin, a need, measuring it, and acting. And I think mm. even with all the technology, they have to be able to say why they're going to be looking at a certain metric or number. Measuring it, and that's going into the actually getting the data fed in. But then the acting, too. Like that we're actually making decisions off of this. And I think those yeah. three components 
with that, um, going to what makes up a data-driven organization because with just the automation, then it's just kind of, it's more that we have our data feeder, but we might not be acting on it. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I, I, I think there's, um, what your comment alludes to me, Tommy, is there seems to be something around investment, you know, upper leadership investment in the, the quality of the data. And I think, you know, in the beginning part of the article, it talks about, you know, companies want to be data driven. Uh, they want to compete on analytics. You know, we're trying to become AI first type organizations. There's like these buzzwords that we're hearing here, you know, competing on analytics, uh, I think it totally makes sense. And I definitely had some portions in my career where I definitely felt like I was competing on analytics. That was the main thing that we used to to bring people along. And particularly as we were selling products to our customers, we were using data and analytics to go summarize sales that were coming from your from the customer back to them and saying, here's what, you know, here's the actions we took, X, Y, Z. Here's what this resulted in sales of the last quarter. What should we do next to compete again in the next quarter or the next year or what's our strategy? So there's there's some high level goals, I think, that really have to be used in, in data engine for this thing. And I feel like a, a parallel, I'll be throwing out an analogy to you guys. I feel like uh, this feels very much like what I was doing in engineering before I left the engineering engineering phase. When when we would do tests in order to have products made, you'd had to do physical tests on those products, to make sure things didn't break, right? So uh, if you're building a plastic case or cover, right, you'd have various features of that cover and you would go build a mold, you would inject it with some plastic or, you know, other material. And then once you had it, you'd have to do all these tests around it to make sure that it wasn't it wasn't going to break in an inappropriate way or was going to actually meet those needs. You can do a lot of testing in engineering space, like in the computer, upstream, but at some point you actually have to make the product. You have to start doing real tests on it. And so a lot of times we would have to state, okay, here's the test we're going to run. This is the test that we deem is going to be accurate as a part of this product, whatever that may be, right? You would describe it. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my setup. Bing, 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 bing. Okay, here's pictures of what happened. Bing, 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 bing. Okay, we ran these products on this test machine for, you know, months at a time. What came out was data. Like we had actual information numbers. Okay, here's, here's the, we applied a lot of statistics to it. Here's the bell curve. Here's the things that fell out of the, the bell curve. Here's what's minimum acceptability for this product based on, you know, how many rotations it did or whatever, right? There's, there's some math. There was some uh, output that produced a result. And so we used those numbers to go back to the design and fix the design of the parts, physical parts, to update them so they could last longer or do what we want to do so it had tolerance. That feels really close to what we should be thinking about when, when we're talking about a data-driven culture. We should be able to uh, articulate, you know, in that pipeline, here's where the data came from, the source, Tommy, to your point, right? Here's the source. Our need is, and we have to, you know, specify what is the objective of the data. Our need is X, Y, Z things. Those, these are the KPIs we care about. And then the output of that is you run the data through, you evaluate the need, and then from there you're taking action. Do you fix something? Do you take, like, it's, it feels very similar. Then you would be in the minority based on this article. Well, I, I, well, yeah. I think I, I have an understanding of it, but when you... So that's that's an understanding in my head, like my mental model of what I feel like that looks like. But how do you get that mental model into everyone in your organization, everyone who's doing data 
in your company? And how does this look like from a, you know, one word that's not used in here is this idea of self-service. I, I, I'm sometimes I get disillusioned by this self-service word of, of data. You know, we, we want a self-service BI. Do you? I, I, yes, I think you do want people to be able to find value in their own information and their own data. But if you don't have a data-driven culture, or if you don't have practices and teaching people this process of grooming data down to actions, you're going to get a mixed bag of results, I think. Sorry, I said a lot of things there. I've just pulling a lot of ideas together. Yeah, I, I think the, the one last thought I, I had around like the end there was like having th this idea of <clears throat> everyone within the organization doing self-service um, is, isn't, is kind of a fallacy, right? From mm -hmm. the standpoint that it's like, Mike, you could have these, you know, uh, whatever things you're testing for months on end, spitting yeah. out all this data and some, some new hire comes in, he's not going to understand, he or she's not going to understand yeah. all of the data coming out of it, but they sure could do self-service reporting on it, right? Mm-hmm. What it takes is somebody who understands the domain, the business to totally to, to That's apply a great point. the rules and things yeah. that you're trying to measure and test, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I agree with that, uh, with like your assessment of like, hey, like, yes, all of this to some degree deserves rigor and testing and like probably iterative different ways in which you um, refine and create the best product because it's not the same test you're doing over and over. Yes, right? It's exactly. different types of tests Yes, to see which is more successful. And I think that's one of the, the things we've talked about, even in larger organizational efforts, is the importance of doing tests, right? Like being iterative in your approach of like, okay, is this going to work? How do we apply this? How do, how do we reach out to these business units and yes. get adoption, et cetera, et cetera? Mm -hmm. I think the question I have with Tommy is, and maybe you just wanted to, peel this up on a high level but when when we're talking about like what is what is data culture i guess i was already past like do we need data culture and that's where oh. your comments seem to align like origin need and acting on data yeah well i mean if you really the article 72 percent of the participants said that the reason they have yet to forge a data culture and we're talking a lot about the technology about the measurements but that's always, that's never going to be the solution. There's some really gold nuggets in this where even though people are looking for an investment with uh, uh, driving data, 72 of the participant, participants, you have to have a data culture. But if, the big part here is, what is it? 40% uh, say that the reason why they um, have not implemented data-driven initiatives is because of organizational alignment and only seven percent of this survey uh cite technology as an issue only seven percent that was the number i was looking for where we have the technology we have people to do it whether or not it's in the right place is fine but self-service whatever it is is just access and communication if people do not know what to do with the data the, they actually and then also to communicate with that they're doing something because all the things, if I'm an executive, and I know there's all these reports, how do I know the measurable difference of us having the data and having uh, access to it compared to not? I have no way to tell. And I think that's a huge part of this. 
Okay, I, I think I'm. I think I'm at where you're going. You you jumped way like probably five steps down from where I, th- I we I I wanted like I thought we were at first right like, so yes, if we're talking about data driven, be in the context of the article, all of the companies want to be data driven. I think what you're outlining are some of the like the key upfront alarming results of the survey where essentially participants are saying like, so let's just go through those 72% of the survey participants report they have yet to forge a data culture. And that's where I think Tommy, some of your comments are aligning more so, Um, but it makes sense. And we can roughly one shift into it, right? One in four, one in four companies have some semblance of data culture or three out of every four are starting to figure it out what that means for them yet to forge one, right? Yes. So they're struggling already, with, like trying to make decisions based off data. Yes, I agree. Sixty-nine re- report that they have not created a data-driven organization, and to some degree, I would say being data-driven first is a first step to creating a data culture, right? So if you're if we're yes just mental modeling this, fifty-three percent state they are not yet treating data as a business asset. <laughs> to me, that's more of a bigger miss here. Two well that 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 speaks to a much larger fundamental problem that needs to be yes addressed yeah and then 52% admit they are not competing on data and analytics so i think all would not now mind you right this is in the context of 2019 right true and, and probably could have changed. where big data is exploding there's a lot of challenges around um access to systems that are designed to uh handle that in a a relatively straightforward or easy way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I contextually speaking, where I was addressing some of my initial comments are like, what are the outcomes we would expect from a technical implementation of data-driven culture? I have access to data as a business person mm-hmm. to start making decisions, right? I think overall, origin, need, acting on it. Like, yes, these are the ultimate drivers of why companies like in the past and now because these are very relevant conversations even in today yes because if you look at multiple different other articles related to like this it's the same type of of problem that keeps coming up it's not just a technical solution and i'm not saying that just finding technical solutions through automation or making data available to customer internal customers is the answer because you would need alignment across the business and and framing it in like how you go about building a data-driven culture because this article is saying like a lot of companies are failing at this right and i think you allude to the reasons why tommy so i just like i'm mentally caught up thank you (laughs) i needed to walk through that in my head but uh, uh, you know ultimately there are many ways in which organizations can build build these systems and um, I think Tommy, you started to allude to like why what their findings were in here that um, were part of the major major aspects of why it was not working or or doesn't today. And I think that's a huge part of this. And to to your point, I agree with everything you're saying for the technology part. That factor is ever more essential now. Even three years ago, our ability to uh, whether it's through AI or through web apps to be able to connect and manage and touch our data. Just forget just Power BI or what Power BI's updates have been. But I think my own journey through this of being from the technology side and doing the integration, 
um, I think it kind of lends me towards maybe it's the other way around where the initiatives, where the actual systems come into play is actually having an culture, having the, the right people in charge who are trying building and doing everything based on uh, numbers or what they're trying to see. And that trickles down where, you know, you are measured off of this. You are going to make decisions off of this. And then, okay, now we need the systems in place to do so. Because just having the data, having access, um, I, I, that's the least of people's issues now to be able to self-service. No, I, dis yeah. I completely disagree with that. It is absolutely a huge problem in organizations for people to get access to the right data set still. I, I would, at least in I would, my experience. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, so I, I agree with both your comments to some degree, right? I feel like totally to 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 set to your point, right? I agree with there's still challenges with people getting access to the information and trusting the information that comes to them, right? There's all these, you know, the, the business asks for reports or information to be presented to them. Someone's got to interpret what those mean and go all the way back up to the reporting system, figure out where those tables come from and kind of push them through somewhere. There's also a lot of really need here, like when we're starting to talk about like competing on data analytics, when I start thinking about that level of detail about competing on the analytics, that means you're getting like, my opinion here, this, this may not be totally true, but competing in analytics means you're actually getting competitor level data, comparing yourself against industry-wide standards. Right. You're looking at, you know, how do we compare against other companies and where do, and you're having literally thought leaders in your data space say, what is our competitive advantage around our data and how can we use the information we already have or what can we collect to help people make better purchasing decisions or help our company do what we do better? What does that look like? And I think a lot of internet companies come in the mentality with data, like the, these newer companies, right? Um, you know, Facebook is probably a bad example, but like they're using all the information of you, your friends, what you click on, what you say, they're using all of that to produce advertising for you to get you to buy something. The data, the, the, the Facebook you know, element here of, of being able to make connected people almost seems like a guise at this point. It's, it's all about making money at the end of the day. And what they're incentivized to do is they're incentivized to get as much information about you as they can to present the best ads in front of you so they can get their ads clicked on, bought, product, whatever, whatever that thing is, they're selling that to companies and that's how the companies are accessing you. So, to them, their product, their product we've productized ourselves. Yeah, we've productized ourselves, and their their entire yeah. business model is only like compete on analytics. Yeah. Like that's literally what they do. So, so if I look at this article, the basis. Do you, do you guys? So now, mind you, this is four years old. Sure, a lot has happened. <laughs> a lot. Data has still grown exponentially. We've been part of a technology curve. So obviously, fabric even being part of that. Yeah, true. And and, and the main. Do you think that the main failings that this article points out are still still hold true? And that would be 93% of respondents identified people and process as the issue, 40% lack of org alignment, and 24% cultural resistance. Do you so, think those still hold true or, or like, is it still the, the major problem um, in trying to build out data cultures and data-driven decision-making within an organization? So, so give me the, th the three numbers again, because I got the 93% people uh, in process. This is how they, they broke it down. Yeah, yeah. I don't, whether they're directly correlated, I don't know. 
93% of respondents identified people and process issues as the obstacle. Yes. Clearly, the difficulty of... I'm just reading from the article. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, the difficulty of cultural change has been dramatically underestimating in these underestimated in these leading companies. 40% identify lack of organizational alignment and 24% cite cultural resistance as the leading factors contributing to this lack of business adoption. Yeah. I would I would agree all three of those. Oh, yeah. Now, the percentages may have changed, but I would still agree that those are probably the top three main issues that we see when we're talking about data culture because we're, we're really, we're, we're trying to change people's behavior and this is something that we've always said, I think, on the podcast, at least we've talked about it for a while, is there's a three-legged stool. It's the technology, it's the, the skills of the people, and it's the processes you put in place. And, you know, when one of them gets stronger, for example, when you have a stronger technology, for example, in this case, maybe Fabric or Power BI, you're getting more capability. You're bringing that closer to where those people need to use and manage and, and edit data. And... Again, this is one of the reasons why I think we love Power BI is the volumes of data that I can go after now with a desktop tool that was free is incredible. We can yeah. bring in way more rows of data than we could in Excel previously. We're doing way bigger things that we could. But again, we're doing all, the, all of that for a very low cost. So we've, we've commoditized the, ability, the technology. The technology is getting so cheap and easy to use, it's become a commodity. Yeah. That is now pointing the finger at well, what do the people know how to do with that information? I can give them a big table of a million records, but do they know how to go sift through that table and actually find what's actionable? What, what are we doing analytically? What, what are sure. we scaling up our team analytically to help them handle and have the capabilities of this? What processes are we putting in place? Like how do we manage this data culture? Um, you know, Again, I think to my mind here is I keep thinking about Matthew Roach's pyramid, right? We're talking about the the different levels of data quality. We have the enterprise EDW. It's highly governed, highly regulated for the entire organization. And then we go all the way down to personal reporting, which is very unregulated. The process of how do you get something that someone built or a team built into this high quality, important data set for us, that's important to know. Like how, how do you grow up that thing? What is the, and this is a story that I think we've been using a lot. Microsoft needs to enhance that grow up story. What does a well, cobble think, together report that Mike yeah. made and how do we turn that into an enterprise report that the BI team takes over and we rely upon it for regular information? Yeah, I, I, I think it would, I think the argument with Microsoft is it would behoove you to do that because it'd sell your tool better. Yeah, um, totally. But I, I think, I think the point you bring up that I want to lean into a bit here is, is, and where I've seen data strategies shift um, kind of significantly too, right? From mm -hmm. a, hey, we're going to build this monolithic warehouse, which still is possible, mm -hmm. still is something that's valuable or could provide value to mm -hmm. the business, albeit there's there's more typical incremental things that are deployed along the way. Um, but like the prevailing theme is clear alignment with the business. Yes, right. agree. Rather than just having technical teams go build out all of the data from these different places and then yes. put it into, a, you know, this giant repository and then create reports the challenge with that is it's on the other side of all of that processing that you run into these domain business problems and one of the things that <clears throat> i've heard and seen a lot of lately and have like frankly you know started deploying is hmm? rather than 
like the biggest mistake I think organizations make in, back in the day that are adjustments are being made to now is rather than building this monolithic single source without the business, you have to engage the business and agree. their domain knowledge into that process of building or alternatively like find different solutions like data marts or data mesh implementations and architectures where you're splitting out those domains so like the true owners of the data quality are the business owners mm -hmm. right and i think that's the linchpin in a lot of this because you absolutely, like, I think there's two components on the output. You're absolutely going to find resistance to change for anything. But if the things that you build are not up to snuff, you instantly lose people. Mm -hmm. And so, so that, that, those two like strategies of like ensuring domain knowledge experts from the business units are engaged right away, I think is paramount to these solutions working within or being you know even having a good starting point to be data driven because all of that business logic is is built in from the beginning across the way so let me ask something and i, I want to see if i'm, I'm off but we're, we're a lot of our conversation discussion is a real focus on in a sense the the tables the generation of the logic the data itself, but not so much on the actual measurements, like what we're actually going to be baking up the end result. And I, I don't know. I think for me, what I've seen I, is there's more of a discrepancy with an unclear true measurement of what each department is in a sense, kind of gear, uh, um, seeing like what's a win, what's a loss, what, can we actually move the needle with and how do that trickles down? Obviously we have total sales, but what are the other things that an organization's measuring there? Um, and are they clearly defined and understood by everyone in the organization? Are people um, evaluated? And, and again, uh, can, in a sense, are they performance based on that? Uh, do they have an active role in that? And I think that's why you see 7% of, or, uh, the 40% lack any initiatives and there's a culture change. It I'd starts from the top, but then it doesn't matter if you have the logic in your tables. What are we trying to actually measure? What's the final result? It's it's the same thing with, uh, sorry, I was going to go on a, another rant. But to me, I think it, that's where it should start. Well, I, I think what you're speaking to is another part in the article. It's halfway down. starts talking about, and I, I highlighted this term in the article. I thought this was really good. Short-term financial goals pushes out longer-term objectives like data-based cultures, right? A data-based culture is a longer strategic initiative that is helping you. That, that is a, I don't know, two, three, five-year plan of how you're going to do that, right? That is a, uh, an education. You're going you're gonna to put people through training. You're going to work with them. You're going you're gonna to communicate from the leadership level down into the team. Like, we are data-driven, and here's what this data-driven means. I think a lot of times we say the word, but I don't think companies actually sit down, to your point, Tommy, and define data-driven is this. Data-driven is we have leadership that is caring about these KPIs. This is what we care about. You know, we're, we're expected to get this kind of growth. We want this kind of revenue. We want these kind of numbers. And having just a handful of them, Microsoft themselves talked about, you know, what KPIs do they care about? Yeah. And they had like a hundred and I don't know what the number was. Don't quote me on this one, but it was like over like a hundred different KPIs that they thought was important. 
to them. And they're like, there's no way we can have the entire organization handling and owning all of those KPIs across the entire organization. So let's let's sit back. Okay, yes, all of these things may be important to various degrees, but we have to simplify more and let's get it down to like 50 or 25 sure. or like what are what are the less numbers is better in that at that highest level because once you have a clearer objective, right? We want to maintain this, we want to achieve this amount of growth in our business. We want to have this level of profitability in our growth. When you have those clear objectives, now you can then, from that initiative, roll out a lot of the other things downstream. Let me give you just one really quick example. When I was in engineering, there was constant initiatives of building new products and then taking existing products and removing cost. Those were like the two things that I remember the most about engineering. So one was, hey, there's a new market offering and a company has a limited budget to spend on people and building things. So the company had to decide, are we going to build something net new or are we going to go back and remove cost from something that we already have that we've built? And so those were decision points that were being made. But once the decision was made to either build a new product or optimize an existing one, that's what we worked on. Like that was like, okay, we're going to do a three month project or we're going to do a one year project or whatever the thing is, those initiatives were very clearly, you know, given to us, the team, and we worked to get completion of those tasks because it's a, it's a lot of money to build a new product. And again, I was in the manufacturing space, so it's a little bit different than when you're talking about like software and other things as well. But it's not right because time time of resources who are not typically cheaply paid resources is the cost true right true i mean i mean you kept sticking your finger up like you're gonna say so sorry i'll stop there yeah so the the articles mike's referring to there's actually three articles that kind of turned out from that they went down from 150 to 35 but the big part of that the three articles are broken 50 to 35 what? 30 metrics kpis Oh, oh, the one yeah. from my, the Microsoft oh, one. The, yes, okay. yes, correct. Part, the other two articles are about they because of the the change. It wasn't just oh, here's a new dashboard. They had to radically change their infrastructure because of the measurements and what they were focusing on. Yes, and since they were so critical, it's that we had to do migrations. Mm -hmm. We had to make sure they're up to date. Yep. So they like, talked about pushing it's everything. Like, to one it's a customer SAT scores, it right? Started with yes. KPIs and what are what are our benchmarks. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that because that seems to me like it's data-driven culture, right? If you know you're competing against, if you're Microsoft and you're competing against Google and Amazon, right? You're looking at where is their technology stack? What do we have that they don't have? And what can we do to make our customers happy and purchase us over our competitors? Yeah, I think I, if we glossed over that, then you're spot on, Tommy. Uh, my assumption here is all of this is being driven by objectives within the organization, but it also means mm. that. Well, sorry, I, I no. Can, no, no. I think please, I think please, please. Yeah, if, you're yeah, gonna, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna interrupt me, go ahead. No, what? I just said you're fine. You're very fine. I'm not saying I disagree with you, but I I see both ways. Continue. See please. what both ways. Continue, please. I will ha, put myself on been have you been in our conversations about uh, data culture and adoption? It ain't easy. Where, where, where have I come from a standpoint that it's all technology driven? In fact, I'm making the no. exact opposite. No, 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 no. I think Tommy, Tommy was, Tommy was making noises. And I think at the idea that there are some, like your, your assumption that the co corporate objectives were 
clearly defined and uh, articulated yeah, so, to the organization. Uh, and I, I would agree with Tommy. No, I think it no. will vary widely between organizations. But you, your your so point of saying, assumption is totally not, valid because yeah. you can assume that that I'm is not true. Assuming I'm not assuming outside of this conversation. Obviously, yes. companies don't do this well. Yeah, 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 correct. Right. I'm assuming in the context of how I've been talking about it. Mm-hmm. But Tommy, you did a good job of like, hey, no, one of the first things you would need to do if you're building an organizational strategy around data culture and data driven things are it, it starts and it starts and ends with the business need, the objectives. Yes. That's yes. what you're saying at the top. Yes. And, yes. and I agree with that. And I'm saying it's saying. a good thing you, you brought that forward into the context of the conversation because my what I was describing was just with that North Star in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since we're talking about Microsoft North Stars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think I think the nuance here is like two twofold. One is this is why it's very important to have a leader in the extended ex- executive mm-hmm. leadership team that has buy-in and can make those big cultural moves and say this is what we're doing and why, not in a mandated way, but you need to empower people to go across business units to solve these problems. The other thing with clear objectives is not only does it give you the long-term strategy and when you're all building this stuff, it should be it should be towards those goals. Some of them are near-term, mm. right? That's where mm-hmm. you find your incremental value, right? All of this should align to immediate needs, immediate goals, while at the same time serving the interim and long-term strategies. And that's, I think, the challenge throughout this is you can't just you know, look at one of these areas when you're implementing, but the business certainly wants value right away. Mm-hmm. And all of like guaranteed, there's going to be like objectives that you can aim for, that you can start to build the infrastructure and get value out of that in incremental ways. But absolutely, none of this happens without like the top agreeing to it and how you implement it for sure should all be based on OKRs or OGSMs or some major initiative that is going to provide value to the business. Otherwise, there's no reason for the business to do it. I think what's, what's interesting to me is as I read other articles related to this same thing, um, and probably why I got stuck in the back end a lot is it talks about data quality, right? And if we don't have the quality of the data, those automated processes and ways in which we're integrating the business into these structures right out of the gate, then you don't have anything as a foundation to move off of in terms of delivery, because you could deliver on those objectives to, you know, solve a KPI or a metric, but it's going to be wrong. And then what happens, right? The whole thing starts to dissolve because who owns what, who's responsible for the quality of data. And if you don't outline that right from the beginning, like you're saying, Tommy, Mm -hmm. that's the importance, I think, of a disparate or kind of data mesh or data mart approach where you're integrating business. And this is where Fabric starts to make a lot of sense. Like, integrating business owners because absolutely they need to have skin in the game. And Tommy, you said performance-based, which is absolutely true because if you're going to define the data source owner, it's absolutely carrot, but there's also a stick. And I think that's (laughs) the biggest problem. That's the biggest problem in organizations still is, hey, if if you own this area, 
you're yeah. responsible for the quality of data coming through here, yeah. but it's the importance of our teams or business intelligence teams to then refine the and make sure that we're monitoring the quality of those source systems mm -hmm. so we can identify whether or not somebody's doing like ultimately are they doing their job is are the quality of the data high yeah and if it's not then they know who to go to right wow this is deep <laughs> I, I i love your talking points there seth and, and later on in the article towards the end it starts talking about hey here's some ideas that might go along with this one but your point right there really hits on the, the note here in the middle of the or, of the article it starts talking about Many firms have established hybrid organizations in which they include center of excellences, an analytical yeah. sandbox, innovation labs to try to drive that yeah. effort more rapidly. And then at the end of this, when they presented these results, they said at a recent executive breakfast, we organized uh, to host the, the discussion of the survey results. One thing that really stuck out to me there was one suggestion was to not focus on the overall entire company data transformation in a large enterprise, but rather, and this is your point exactly, but focus specifically on a couple key projects, a couple key initiatives, a couple key business initiatives that are going to be, we're going to spend effort and try to focus our data culture on these handful of projects that moves the entire company in a better direction. So like, instead of trying to like solve the whole thing at once, let's, let's pick some key initiatives, things that we know we can affect work on those and improve the value of those. And then you're slowly moving the culture over time by engaging those teams, develop, developing and building this new cultural way of thinking around data analytics, making sure that it's valuable to the company and using those key projects as drivers to either, to your point, Tommy, earlier, right? To align leadership on, okay, we do care about analytics. Where can we use it? You know, these key specific projects help us get in the long direction. And I think this is hard. It's very hard to to, to meet short-term needs. I got to get this done today. We, we need the data. We need these reports out. And also think about how does this data culture thing work in totality? Do we use deployment pipelines? Are we building premium, premium per user? Are we giving everyone pro licenses? What does the organization look like from a workspace management standpoint? How do we... How do we build that part? Do we just give every department their own workspace and let them go to town? Or do we have some workspaces that are central to the BI team and then we slowly trickle that out? What does that rollout plan or education plan look like for these projects? And that's to your point, Seth, I think works really well with organizations where, you know, bring in consultants or do those in special projects where you're bringing in people that are way more knowledgeable in that space, build the example and then roll out across other departments or other initiatives across the company. I think, but that's why, that's why it's so important, especially if you, if you adopt an OKR framework, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Like as managers, as leaders, et cetera, like mm -hmm. you would have to delineate percentages of your team's time yes. to reach near-term, mid-term and long-term goals. Agreed. And if an org, and, and if without that planning, that's where you get into trouble as a business intelligence team, because you were saying like, especially if you're responsible for developing all the reports of a business, which I just don't agree with in, in, from the standpoint, but it, it depends on the size of the organization, yeah. I suppose. But that's where it's paramount that you have some sort of execution tool where you can understand like, are we allocating the appropriate time? 
am I giving at least 10% in a sprint or in a work like work week, et cetera, towards these long-term strategies? Otherwise you lose sight of them. Huh. And then six months down the road, the business is like, okay, well, uh, Pivot again. You, you, this long, this interim mid thing, you should be three fourths of the way through. And you're like, we didn't start it yet. What do you mean you didn't start it yet? Well, you guys were like, we had fire drills all the time. We, you, everything was immediate, right? And that's where setting levels, setting expectations, and where like the leg in IT really helps with BI mm-hmm. is like you manage thing and you manage those expectations. We are going to deliver. We can't deliver on your timeline, and your timeline is absolutely ridiculous and, and unreasonable. So if you need to go cobble together something, business uh. user, because you didn't plan, then you do that. But at the same time, let's have the conversation where we build something automated for you. But I'm like, that's where like bringing your fire to my doorstep and lighting my house on fire <laughs> doesn't is, work. Is is right. the the probably one of the top five hated conversations I have. Right? <laughs> like it's just yeah. Uh-uh. Like this is how my team runs. This is how the organ. This is how we stay on track and meeting the objectives of the organization, because we are. This team is managed. Your world obviously is not right. So, if if the business says yes, your your priority is top of, and we're gonna you know take it on, and we're gonna do all this stuff for you. There's an impact to that decision, and that's fine. It's just a matter of like pluses and minuses, right? If I can't, if I have to do this and that's not part of the plan, then you're not going to get this down the road. I want to, I want to jump on that comment there, Seth. I, I agree with this one. And I've also seen this one occurring many times. The bringing your fire to my doorstep, your, your lack of data, your lack of planning, your lack of whatever that thing is, right? Um, the number of times I've been walked into or, or, or had, conversation has walked into me and it said, Hey, um, we need this by the, by this weekend. Okay, you, we have three other objectives that we're trying to build for you. Which one do you want me to pick? And, and which one needs to drop off? Yeah. And also, the, the idea here is, you know, it's important to document how your team works with a process. So you right. can say, well, thank you for your request. We haven't had time to estimate it. We don't know yeah. how to get did it you, done. Did you bring it to my standing meeting last week? Right? This is the importance of like yeah. all yes. of these backend dev processes with totally. green and everything else because it's like you create yep. areas for the business to understand mm-hmm. that if they want to have conversations and bring their needs forward, there's absolutely forums to do that all the time. And we're bringing our levels of expertise to like plan your things. You didn't show up. You don't get to come into my world and blow it up without the appropriate levels yes. of, of authority. You know, authority no and that's exactly why that executive leadership stands i mean that's the executive sponsor is the one who's is going to help defend and like the uh another example you know some sales guy commits to a report that needs to be delivered to a customer yeah man and then they're like kills me how long have you known about this one well yeah we've known about it for like three months okay this is the first time i'm hearing it and now you're telling me it's due in two weeks yeah. One, we don't have the data the right way. Two, you never communicated the need earlier up in the process here. So these are, to your point, Seth, this is why the process exists. This is how we work together as a data culture-driven company. And if you're not communicating across teams <laughs> when you need things, I'm not, will, I don't want to help. And then that, ex- and the, to me, really, the, the, the value here is that once that executive sponsor shows up, that's where we can say, look, this is, this is the process we documented. We yeah. agree upon how we do work. This is the way we're going to do it. You have not asked us for these requests. They're going to go back into the backlog and it'll be prioritized based on these things. There may be other initiatives that are more important than your your item. 
the the thing that strikes me, and this is this is exactly where the more front out into sales you get, like conflicts in a business come, and why I glibly kind of make fun of that group a lot, but I, I still <laughs> love them. We all love them. We all love them. Um, we're a team, man. Everybody's yes. a team in an organization. The customer is obviously the most important part. However, them, you don't have a job. However, with these processes, like, and that's why you need process because it's like, hey, we understand you're making those customer calls. We understand that you're interacting with them, and that's not the most the easiest place to be. It's just not. Mm-hmm. But there's two sides to every organization, right? Like, if a customer's coming in, they're demanding something. It's very easy for the 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 salesperson to be like. I, I completely understand, you know, blah, 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 like your thing, our process to handle this request looks like this, right? Because you're empowering them with that process. Huh? And they can say, then they can buy themselves some time and say, let me work with the groups. This is how it works. I have another meeting, you know, scheduled here. Let me see if I can escalate this, right? Your needs are obviously very important, but this is we, how we, we do as have opposed a process. to yes. the challenge that that happens, which is a customer's upset or a customer wants something and is demanding it and they don't know any better. They're like, okay, uh, I'll get that done for you. Right. Cause that's the easy thing to say. I'm your buddy yep. and not have any idea the Always playing good cop. that you're creating on the back end. And then you have these challenges with delivery because it's not there. Ultimately the responsibility of that relationship is on the salesperson. Yes. Yeah. Right? If mm-hmm. you follow a process, but if you don't, then you have this like really hard conflict that's happening all the time between those groups because there's no concept of like how long, it, how much effort it takes to deliver something. And then there's just this constant expectation that, oh, uh, they did it, right? And and it's also, I'm, I'm rambling. I, I feel like I've, also, I feel like this goes on the other side. So this goes on the other side of like why BI teams and reporting people who just like, Man, oh, we have this high high priority thing. I'm gonna work 18 hours in the next three days. I'm gonna get out the door, and they do. And then the the, there, the expectation now has no, been set. Correct. There's yeah. no understanding that it took like an insane amount of time. Yep. For that person to do yep. it, and then they do it again and again and again and again. And and that's taking all right? that time away that's from those where, other bigger initiatives. That's, that's you lose where, those. That's where you find yourself burning out, and that's where the business starts to not understand like how long things should take, et cetera, et cetera, because you have heroes coming through and just continually delivering. And that's why I say, hey, sometimes things have to break. Some, sometimes I have to break if, if you're you know, in that situation. I, the, the song comes to mind and the hero comes along. That, that's the... <laughs> so um, I, we're getting close on time here. This has been a really good conversation. I think this article is very well written, even though it's a little bit older. I'd be curious to see that survey rerun again uh, and see what happens again as they, if it has this, has the numbers deteriorated even further, you know, how coming out of the pandemic has, has this increased uh, challenges within organizations? Are we now addressing more short-term needs and not really strategically planning for long-term pieces? But I do think at the very end of the article, um, it was a very good kind of wrap up here talking about, you know, analytical decisions. This is a quote from, from the article again. Analytical decisions and actions continue to generally be superior to those on intuition and experience-based decisions. Hundred percent. And I will. I will end with this though. Like there are some more recent articles I was reading to mm-hmm. kind of you know bring context to this. Yes. And it, like 
the definition of data savvy, right, is yes. up in the air. But it was a CIO magazine, and it essentially said companies that are data savvy showed a 3x increase in revenue. Yeah. So these strategies and the the need to bring and utilize and understand data, which yes. is a big challenge because of the volumes, I think are definitely worth the efforts, even though we talked a lot about the challenges and like how to, like, it's very real. Like, yes. it's not an easy thing to just slap them something on. Huh? The benefits are absolutely there in, in terms of uh, revenue. And I, I like this. The very final statement here is firms must be more serious and creative about addressing the human side of data if they truly expect to derive meaningful business value. And it's right. It's Again, there's a lot of people involved here. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of things working around, around this space. Um, and I think, if anything, the technology has accelerated this conversation just because it's now so easy for people to get yeah. their hands on so much more data. And it's becoming way more clicky, clicky, draggy, droppy to steal words from Christian Wade. Uh, and and it, it potentially creates a false sense of delivery on uh, where we could skip a lot of these other processes. And again, when I was when I was focusing so much on the business, I was like, oh, who needs dev test prod? I'll just build everything prod. Like that's it just works. I mean, let's go fast. Let's make value. Like that was my initial thinking. But now as I get more into the IT side of the space and the world, there's definitely a lot of value from what comes from that process, that rigor that comes yeah. along with those things. Awesome. Any other final uh, words or thoughts, uh, Tommy? Any kind of wrap-ups on your on your side for final thoughts to the article? Anything you, you you picked out that was important or things you want to cap this with? No, I, I the the ending part of this to me is just the crux of it when it comes to you're seeing more and more leadership, more investment with uh, CDOs, but then also understanding we have to work together with the, the from tech having these SWAT teams. If you see more of that, that's only going to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. Any, any final thoughts, Seth? Close you said all the thoughts. Out. All the thoughts are said. <laughs> all right, excellent. Well, we appreciate your time. I hope this was helpful. Uh, go read the article. The article's really good, very well written. I'd highly recommend you go read the article. It was awesome. Uh, so definitely recommend you do that. Um, also, I will say, if, we, if you like this kind of conversation, if you like us arguing on a podcast and disagreeing about things, and you have disagreements as well, we really appreciate those opinions. Uh, it helps refine more of our thinking around what data and analytics and BI looks like. And it's honestly, this conversation will probably be different in every single organization because everyone's at different stages in their data culture. Some are thinking about it. Some are getting there. Some don't, don't have a clue what it is. Like it could very much widely in your organization. So hopefully this gives you some thought. Um, and maybe the article will give you some practical uh, examples on how to get moving through your data culture. Please share this with somebody else if you like this article. And then, Tommy, where else can you uh, hear about the podcast? You can find the episode anywhere it's available on Apple, Spotify. Make sure to subscribe. Leave a rating. It helps us out a ton. Uh, if you want us to talk about something that you've been thinking about, you have a question, an idea, or just a, just a good uh, topic, go to powerbi.tips slash podcast and submit your question there. And finally, join us live every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central. Thank you all very much, and we'll catch you next time.